Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 281. Great companies empower their, their, their people to, to think about what's possible. It's also the how, but it's why. Why do we do these things? And th- there's such a difference between a training manual that is created by people who are not in the restaurant as opposed to a training manual that is a living document that people understand why they are doing these things, how they should be doing them. It's a world of difference. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jarrett Young. Jarrett, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable, unstoppable today, Eric. Nice to, <laughs> uh, nice to be here. Uh, feeling unstoppable more than ever before, so it's uh, great. Beautiful. That, that is what we like to hear, Jarrett. Uh, so, Committing his professional life to the hospitality industry, Jarrett Young had a 15-year tenure with top Canadian restaurant organization Oliver and Bonaccini. As vice president of operations, he was responsible for the Toronto restaurant portfolio, which included seven unique restaurants. Was that right? Seven? Did I get that right? Yeah, I lost count at seven. (laughs) I think it was at one point up to nine, but let's call it seven. Yeah, let's call it seven. Totaling sales of approximately $45 million in revenue. With an MBA in hospitality management specializing in organizational behavior, he helped the A and B team navigate successfully through a period of intense growth, innovation, and new partnerships. Currently, he is the co-founder and owner of two companies, Blueprint Hospitality and Pineapple, which I'm sure we'll dive a little bit more into that as the interview progresses. But I want to get that in that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today, Jarrett? Sure. And I'm I'm not going to take credit for this quote, obviously. I don't know where it originated from, but it has lived uh, with me for years and years. And it's a the quote is striving for excellence for excellence sake. Ooh. And uh, I, I love that quote because uh, it's a lot different than striving for perfection because perfection is a myth. And I think if you can continue to strive for excellence and, and be an eight out of 10 and then be an eight and a half out of 10 and then a nine out of 10, it, I find that really, really motivating. Mm, I love it. I really do. And I couldn't agree more. I think, Really, what it comes down to is just showing up a better version of yourself than you were the day before. And if you can do that before long, uh, you you really just start to you know flirt with that that level of excellence. And um, 
I wanted to learn more about when you knew that the hospitality industry was going to be for you. And it looks like you knew at a really young age. I feel like most people who are successful in this industry don't, like, strangely enough, just from my experience, don't go to hospitality school. <laughs> like, right. like yeah. you knew from a very young age that you, this was what, what what you wanted to do, and you're even making it happen since. So let's let's talk through that. Sure. Yeah. It would it would seem I think you did a, a better job than I could ever do going through my career. Um, but um, it would seem that that was my intention, Eric. But uh, I'll tell you, I was a, a struggling science student for many many years. Uh, I took me six or seven years to even get an undergrad degree in science. And while I was in the science program, I was fortunate enough to meet some hospitality professors because I was doing uh, a lot of banquet gigs as bartenders, like in weddings and homecomings and whatnot. And um, they, I, I, they asked me if I would be interested in doing my MBA. And I kind of laughed and looked at them and said, well, uh, I am a struggling science student. I don't know anything about business, uh, but I'm flattered and thank you very much. And that's how it started. And they asked me if I was really interested in doing it to take a few business classes and, and do well in them. Uh, and they would they would help me along, believe it or not. So, Who were these folks that were uh, pushing you in this direction? There were professors at the hospitality school. Um, so the university that I went to had its own hospitality college on campus. And I was working at the time uh, for hospitality services, so the on-site food and beverage program there for the university. And that's how I met the professors at that school. And uh, I was fortunate enough that they saw some potential in me. And uh, I was on probation the entire time I did my MBA, but that's besides the point. Uh, I, uh, uh, and that wasn't a magical, magical time for me because uh, I learned a lot about hospitality and I learned obviously a lot about business and that was one of these aha moments for me it's like wow I've just spent seven years trying to get a science degree that I wasn't passionate about and then all of a sudden I'm in this MBA program and program and things just really really started to click Mm. so so what do you think it was that they saw in you? Uh, and it's funny because I didn't know this part of your story and it's very similar to my own. I was I was majoring in hospital or um, marketing uh, yeah. and my marketing professor was like, why aren't you taking hospitality classes? Like, and they really pushed me in that direction. And I started focusing on hospitality. But uh, um, sorry, my question to you was, what did they see yeah. in you? What was it about you that they, that you, you know, that you had that they just said, you got to be doing this? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I don't know. I, I've never asked them that question, but I think um, where people really excel in this business is the desire to serve, mm. right? And, and, and that genuine love of service. Um, and when that comes across, and you know, that comes across when you host your own party, and when you can take care of people in your restaurant and you can showcase food and beverage and wine and you build a relationship with them, that becomes a a pretty special gift, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think over the years when I was in university, you know, I served these professors at a number of functions. That's what started to happen. You know, unknowing to me, like I I was providing great service and I was building a relationship with them. And then at that point, 
when there was an opportunity to change that relationship into professor and student, I had opened that door just, just based on, on being hospitable, right? Um, and I, I find that sometimes in this industry, we can easily lose sight uh, of what the two most important things are. And the, the two most important things are food and beverage and service, mm-hmm. right? And that's, um, we can get lost in, in uh, design and marketing. And those things are very important. But at the end of the day, we, we really need to cultivate uh, those, those two factors for sure. Absolutely. And I'm curious, uh, it seems like your professors, you know, they had this idea from an early you know, time that they met you that this was going to be the industry for you. But when did you know? Is there a moment, a specific moment where you knew uh, that you found your calling? Can you bring us that moment? Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward uh, five years, actually, uh, my very first restaurant, my very first restaurant gig uh, was at Jump. And uh, I moved into the city uh, I moved into Toronto. Um, and I didn't have any really true restaurant experience. I had my MBA, but I didn't have any restaurant experience. So I took a job as a bar back and, and pretty much the only, the only thing I was allowed to touch was empty beer bottles and the cappuccino machine. Okay. And, uh, I worked my way up, uh, through the restaurant and in about 12 months, I guess, or 18 months, I was, I was running jump. It was wow. the GM. I did that for about five years, and then I actually took a break from the company, uh, and I, I went abroad uh, just to clear my head. You know, the industry can be a pretty crazy lifestyle, so I, I just needed to take a step back, and um, I left the company for three months, and when I returned to the city, city, I started going on interviews, but I returned back to the exact same company as the general manager of Canoe. Okay. And that's when I knew... Uh, and the company was growing. That's when I knew that uh, this was going to be my career. There was no doubt about it, that I was going to help build Oliver and Bonaccini. And that's exactly what happened over the last 10 years. So Awesome. So uh, where to start, man? Like, I feel like what you've done uh, is a, a great path to go find a restaurant group that is doing amazing things and to... Consider extended education and to learn and whether you're going to go open your own restaurant or go take everything that you've learned over these 10 years working with this incredible restaurant group. And now you're helping other people open their restaurants. Um, I mean, what do you think the biggest lessons for you, like for you and for anybody uh, looking to open a restaurant uh, what were those like? If you could just like think of like a handful of lessons, uh, what are some of those biggest lessons? Yeah, and, and maybe what I'll do is uh, try to frame that the conversation into um, specifically maybe some things that I, I think I learned from opening up. I don't know half a dozen half a dozen restaurants or so, and with the, the clients that we work with, it is really important that you take the time to figure out what the vision of your restaurant is. Figure out what you want it to be. Figure out what your mission is on a daily basis. Figure out what your values are going to be. And everything that you do when you before you open this restaurant all has to tie back to your brand values, to who you are as a restaurateur, to the vision that you've laid out for the staff. And make no mistake that 
if you do that and you chip away at all the little tiny details that's involved in opening a restaurant, the restaurant will feel like uh, it's complete because everything lines up. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we don't spend enough time uh, in the pre-opening uh, running through all the factors that determine a restaurant's success and making sure that people know exactly what your restaurant is, what it stands for, conceptually, value-wise, so critical. You know, I would suggest for people who are opening restaurants is, is get out of your head a little bit and, and talk to the, a group of people uh, for two or three months before you open it and, and talk about the menus, talk about the hours of operation, talk about the design, talk about the the food, the uniforms, the music, and, and make sure that it all works. Because when we go into a restaurant and we have an amazing experience, we don't know why it's amazing. We just know it's amazing because everything works. But when you walk into a restaurant and something's a little off, you notice. Mm-hmm. Right? You notice. And I think, that's, I think that's really critical. Like the attention to detail on, on every level uh, is, is really important. And the collaboration piece. Right, like surround yourself with people who see the, the restaurant through a different lens, and you'll get a really, really great result. I think. Let's dive into that a little more. You said to surround yourself with people who see your restaurant in a different lens, um, and how does this really dive into how that uh, connects with okay. collaboration? Sure. So. You know, I, I think when you, if you have the opportunity to collaborate with somebody who looks at a restaurant and sees marketing opportunities and sales opportunities, and then you collaborate with somebody who looks at a restaurant and sees the kitchen and they see food experience, and then you look at you surround yourself with somebody who uh, looks at the restaurant and looks behind the bar and, and can envision what a cocktail list would look like. I think if you surround yourself with somebody who's a, a finance person who is able to put a profit and loss statement together and put systems in place so you can track your labor and your food costs. No one is perfect. No one, no one is going to have not one single person that I know has all of the skills necessary to make a restaurant successful. I think it, it has to be a collaboration with a group of people. I, I agree. The best restaurants, there's certain partnerships working behind the scenes that everything just comes together and the, the strengths of all these people uh, when combined are just, you know, they, they create something beautiful. But what about if you're in this position where you don't have those other pieces of the puzzle? Like, would you suggest not opening or would you suggest waiting until you can get uh, those pieces that you're missing together? Yeah, that, that's a, a tough question because we know there's pressures to open uh, certain times of year and then the rent kicks in and you hired people and you need to get them work. So waiting sometimes isn't, uh, isn't an option, right? I think, some, I think, though, is maybe asking yourself ahead of time, you know, I, I'm going to open a restaurant. What skills don't I have? So how do I find those people? And I, I think nowadays with um, the network of people globally that are willing to share wisdom and knowledge and have a conversation, um, I think that's key. And, and if you start early enough, I think, I think you'll be able to find the people to help. Yeah, and there's definitely platforms out there with social media. You can literally just 
reach out and connect with the people you need. And plus, people today, professionals today, are putting themselves out there with their own websites, specializing, you know, uh, you know, marketing their personal brand and what areas of expertise they have. Um, so it definitely is much easier today. And I, th- I would say the other thing too is you don't necessarily need to employ these people um, if you are. Uh, What's the word? I guess, oh, lucky enough or fortunate enough to uh, be able to invest in early consulting. I think that's where a lot of people uh, don't invest enough money because you're, you're going to get that return on investment when you have these other eyes that come in and say, hey, this is what you need to do. And uh, here's where you're weak, but here are some tools and resources that you can leverage to make up for that weakness. Uh, what do you? What would you say about that? Maybe you yeah. consulting in, if you don't have those people on your team. No, I would absolutely agree with you. You know, and I, and I and I think nowadays just having a half an hour conversation with somebody, we we don't have to be side by side having a coffee right anymore. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know, and I, maybe it's just because of the way that I see the industry is people who are committed to a life in hospitality there is a part of them that should and want to see other people succeed. And we know how difficult this business is. We know how hard it is to deal with the transient labor force and the cost of goods. It's difficult. It's very difficult. And I think if you align yourself, if you align yourself or seek out those people that have a love for this business, why wouldn't they help you? It's the, it's this, one of the most important industries to our cities, to our neighborhoods, to our communities. So, so why not help somebody out who's just starting out? I, it's, it's important. It's very important. And you know, one of the biggest aha moments I had uh, doing these interviews is the most successful people in this industry got that way because they became a mentor. Uh, and people, they started, they were helping people and, and they just attracted greatness to them. Uh, people who were looking for answers, looking for mentorship. And then when you, when you come across those who have what it takes, have the passion, have the skill, have the right attitude, and you know, they're going to go do their own thing someday, but then you give them an opportunity to do it with you. Um, and you, and you, you know, invest in these people. And I mean, that's some of the best brands out there. Like let us entertain you, union square hospitality, best restaurant groups. I mean, that's what these guys are doing. I mean, that's how they grow. Vetri restaurant groups. They, they have, they, they promote from within to the point where they're making people partners. Uh, and I mean, that's where the real magic, that's how like, that's where the, the real success comes in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I think part of that as well though, and, is that when you look at these companies that have set a benchmark, they start they started off small as well. Yeah. Right. They had a starting point as well, and there are no shortcuts in the in the restaurant business. There's there's none whatsoever. It takes time, and you know I think as well now more than ever when you look at some of the bigger cities, the larger cities, is that diversity in the hospitality industry mm-hmm. is really important. Right. We we want smaller restaurateurs to be able to open different restaurants and and sometimes you know again this half an hour phone call or a little snippet of knowledge or a a tool that you developed 10 or 15 years ago that helped you measure your labor or your food costs that can make all the difference to somebody Mm -hmm. and i think it's again it's 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 important that we share that and and I, i think 
I don't know how this has happened. Um, and I think you're right. Maybe it's, it's turning a corner a little bit, but you know, we should, we should spend more time collaborating with people in in this business and sharing stories about what has made us successful and, and how do we deal, how do we hire people and what interview questions do we use? All of these things that could help the industry get stronger. That's what creates world-class cities. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's amazing because when I first got started with the podcast, like I was afraid, like who, who's going to give me, like, why would anybody give me their, their trade secrets? Like, like I'm going to approach them and they're going to tell me everything they know that's made them successful. And it's amazing how many people, the successful people, are willing to share their secrets. And there's got to be a, a correlation there with success and sharing and, and giving and really uh, just being generous with your time and your knowledge. Uh, I think it, it's, I mean, it's, there's too much of a coincidence for sure. So um, some of the big things we touched on so far um, to kind of just summarize is start with a vision, have a, a clear picture of what you want to become and what your brand values are and then to collaborate and really leverage uh those relationships uh for uh you know to the to, to, to leverage the skills of other people uh to, to the fullest potential so what are some of the other things um that in your time uh in this industry your 10 years working in the industry and your your time now consulting helping people uh develop their own restaurants i mean where where do you see them struggling the most and what's your advice? Like what else can we talk about? Sure. I mean, there's, um, I think everybody, uh, you know, every restaurateur maybe struggles in a, a different area, but I think some common themes, I think, um, what I have seen is people entering into the hospitality business with not a really great understanding of the business behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, how to measure, uh, your cost of goods, how to measure your labor, how to put systems in place, so that, that there's little waste, all of these things that um, it's glamorous, I think, to open a restaurant. And, um, you know, people want to get into this business, but there's a business side to it um, that has to be in place for you to, to open more restaurants, for you to last five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So I find that uh, a lack of systems sometimes is uh, a theme that comes up with uh, restaurants. I also think, and I touched on this a little bit, I also think that creating a culture uh, in your restaurant is, is key. It, it's kind of like, what, what kind of person do I want to uh, work with? And what kind of employer do I want to be? And this industry, you know, I struggled for many, many years thinking that this industry was just a, a thing that you did part time to get through school. Mm. And I think we need we have to do a better job of showing people that it can be a career. But we also need to make sure that as organizations that we are creating a, a healthy, positive work environment for the people who are the ambassadors for our restaurant. You know, I, I, I strongly believe if we were to spend a fraction, a fraction of the money that we spend in designing restaurants and marketing them and actually reinvest that into the people, mm. uh, train them. I mean, we, those restaurants would be around, they would be iconic. They would be around forever. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy because it's, oh man, it, it, we, people are always trying to spend money on driving traffic 
to the restaurant and I can't remember who said it or exactly how it was said, but if, if people put half as much energy into, um, you know, just making sure the people that are in their restaurants, uh, are happy and having incredible experiences, then they would never have to spend a dollar on marketing because they wouldn't, I mean, they would, it's just so obvious. Like I'm like at a loss of words right now, but like, it's just, just focus. It's four walls marketing. Focus on the people in your restaurant. The best social platform is your restaurant dining room floor. I, I agree with you, and that all starts with just getting the right people and educating them and, and training them. Um, and great restaurants are addictive, right? Oh, yeah. We all uh, they, we all know that great restaurants leave us with this amazing feeling, and I think that starts with the with the uh, with the staff. You know, I, I spoke at a few universities over the years, and I would say. To people, when you manage and lead people, you have a huge responsibility, and and that means that they are always more important than you. Like without followers, there is no leadership. So the first thing that you do when you go to your restaurant is you go into the back and you ask the dishwasher whether they would like a cup of coffee or a glass of orange mm-hmm. juice, because they're often forgotten, right? And and if we can, if we can tap into like looking at the people who are supposed to be emotional and caring and hospitable and give them a reason to, to create magical moments for these guests, these restaurants, like no pun intended, but these restaurants would absolutely be unstoppable. Yeah. Like they, they would be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why do you, let me ask, why do you think people don't do this? Where do you think, we are going wrong. Like what's the, the fundamental issue with people today that they don't see this as being the solution? Well, I, I think people have uh, looked at the transient nature of the labor pool and say, you know, it's not worth quote unquote my time to, to sit down with this person when I know they're going to leave in a month um, or a year or two years. And I think over the t- over time, people get um, a little jaded, mm-hmm. right? And, um, I also think, though, part, partly it is, is because we put people in these positions in leadership. We teach them about food and wine, and we teach them maybe about business, but we rarely teach them how to be great leaders, mm. right? So how do, we, how do we teach somebody to be inspiring? How do we teach somebody to interview properly and ask the right questions so they're hiring the right people? How do we teach them to properly give feedback, reviews, all of this leadership stuff that I think is missing early on in in people's careers. Like how many chefs do you know have had any sort of leadership (laughs) education or training? It just comes through experience, right? It's the same thing with managers. And um, I think, again, have we, we've done, I think we've done the industry a bit of a disservice by not really making sure that, um, we are we are we're teaching our managers who have often moved up from serving and bartending. We're teaching them different skills, right? And and that's and that's leadership stuff, which is intangible. How do you put a dollar on a dollar amount on that? But what I have always said, like if you you, you know you've got two bookends, and one bookend is sales, and one bookend is is profitability, but all the stuff in the middle, right? If you can't focus on all the stuff in the middle, including the people the sales aren't going to be there and the profitability is not going to be there. 
Yeah, man, you're just hitting on some incredible things, and I, I couldn't agree more with you that, you know, it's that transience of the industry, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, is really like, you know, why am I going to waste my time developing this person when they're not going to be loyal to me? But you, you really can't get loyalty from people until you've given loyalty to those people, and you, you've got you've to give to get. And one idea that I like to, to you know – a way to think about it so you aren't as hurt or you aren't as you know upset when your people do leave you is that you should have the approach that it's your job as a mentor, as their leader, to push them out of your restaurant. Uh, you should accept from the very beginning that they're not going to be with you forever, and you should try to get them on to the next phase of their life as fast as possible. But here's the thing. Over time, if you take that approach – of serving your people and helping them grow so they can get to that next place. I think you'd probably be surprised at how much faster you're able to retain people because of how good you are to them. Absolutely. And to add to that as well, like every person that walks into your restaurant or your business, they become ambassadors of yours. Mm. Right. Mm. So whether they are there, you know, whether you have to unfortunately terminate somebody or they're there for only a week or they're only working two shifts a week, Whatever the circumstances, they are ambassadors of your organization. Mm. And I, I think, you know, I have said to many managers who, you know, do countless interviews, you interview that person like it's the first interview that you have ever done. You owe it to them because shame on you for taking your past experiences and clouding your vision of, this particular person who's applying for a job. So wipe that emotional blackboard clean mm. and interview like it's your first interview. Uh, and, and, you know, and again, looking at everybody that works for you and with you as ambassadors of your own brand, your own personal brand, your own restaurant brand is really powerful. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm headed to your website right now because uh, yeah. There is a couple things at the bottom. It's blueprinthospitality.com, correct? Yeah. Okay, so I'm at the site. Yeah. Uh, at the bottom of your website, and I, I just remember when I was doing my research on you, like I, I saw these things and mm. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get along so well with this guy. Uh, <laughs> here, here are the five things that are written at the bottom of Blueprint Hospitality. Uh, yeah. ad, advocate collaborate, or collaboration, which we've kind of already talked about a little bit. Inspire meaningful change. Build strong relationships. Choose the right way. Focus on communication and produce useful information. So let's tap into some of these things. Sure. Um, inspire meaningful change. Oh, what do you mean by that? So, um, and, and what I mean by that is, uh, change, uh, if you're the only one doing it and it's, uh, contingent on you, once you leave, it doesn't become impactful or meaningful because it goes with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we try to do and what I've tried to do with people that I've managed is, is inspire, inspire a group of people. So when I walk out of the restaurant, it continues. Mm. Right. And again, I I think ties into collaboration. It's not about you. It's not about your effort. It's not about how one person pleases a guest is how do you get a group of people to always provide exceptional service? So when you walk out of your restaurant, it doesn't change. Right. And so we make a point, um, you know, and we make a point with our clients is we don't work with people for less than six months to a year. 
Um, we think it's really important that we work alongside them, that we understand what they're trying to achieve in their business because we don't want, we, we want them to be successful without us. Mm-hmm. I want to be out of a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what, so that's what I, that's what I mean by that. Awesome. Uh, another uh, thing that really stood out for me, uh, what do you mean by choose the right way? Yeah, this goes back to um, really making sure that you have an idea of what your values and your, your pillars are in your company. Um, I think that there is always there is always a solution. It may not be uh, the solution that you like, but there is always a solution. And I think there are many forces at play in our industry, and there are a lot of pressures for people who own restaurants when it comes to payroll, labor, food costs. And um, I think it's important that you always choose to do the right thing, to do right by your guests or your customers, your guests, but also to do right by the people who, who are working for you, right? So that's what, I, that's, what I, that's what we mean by that. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, one of the things I learned from Cameron Mitchell, something that would probably stick with me forever, is um, – the, the difference between great companies and a really amazing, truly spectacular companies is they don't just give the, the, the people in great companies just give the, the, the operations manuals. They go through the time of creating those systems, processes, procedures. But what the amazing companies do, they, they teach you how to think. Um, they, they give you the core values and they enforce that culture that, that help you choose the right way. Um, so when you put into those difficult decisions, you have the mentality, you have, you've been taught the, the way to think. Uh, and sometimes the path to success isn't through the pass through the path of least resistance. Sometimes it's really you know, the, the most difficult way, but it's, it's the right way. It's the most impactful way. Uh, and that's what I think of when I, when I, um, when I read that, do you want to reflect on anything I just said? Yeah, I, I think I'm thinking of a specific example where I was working a working a wedding, and um, the woman's aunt was uh, from Vancouver, and we inadvertently served her something that she was allergic to, and she had to leave the wedding. And in the middle of the wedding, this bride. Uh, is sobbing behind the head table because her aunt who has traveled to Vancouver um, had to leave. Mm. And so immediately, immediately, uh, without question, uh, the management team picked up the phone, found out what hotel she was, took out the company credit card, told the, told the hotel, we're going to take care of this woman's hotel room because uh, she is not at the wedding, so we're going to take care of the hotel room. And then immediately what they did is they took, uh, I don't know what it was, some white ice wine and whatnot, poured small little piece, small little pour for everybody in the wedding and just passed it around. And then went up to the bride and said, listen, we are sorry that your aunt isn't here to enjoy this day. And this is what we've done to take care of that. Now we are also sorry that all the people here are not going to be able to enjoy enjoy her company. So this is what we've done for everybody uh, still here. And three months later, we get this card from this woman who says, I can't believe I've just figured out that you were behind all of this. 
And I, I remember that story because you, you triggered something. It's like great companies and empower their, their, their people to, to think about what's possible. Mm. And it's also the how, but it's why. Why do we do these things? And, and there's such a difference between a training manual that is created by um, people who are not in the restaurant as opposed to a training manual that is a living document that people understand why they are doing these things, how they should be doing them. It's a world of difference. So anyway, that, that's why I was just kind of smiling to myself because that, that uh, example kind of stands out to me. So Oh, I love it. I really do. That's a, a beautiful example. And where, at what point, how do we take that, that training, uh, our operations manual and just make it, how do we take it from just being a document that's in the restaurant to making it into a living document that, uh, is, you know, echoed every day, day in and day out. Where, where do we get to that level or how do we get to that level? Sure. There's a couple, there's a, there's a couple things. I think that, um, the, the one of the best teaching tools that I think that we could, we could use is scenario based learning. And that is creating situations that involve all job classes that you are saying, Hey, it's a Thursday night, nine o'clock. This is what's happening in the restaurant. This is what's going on. The phone is ringing a reservation of six people shows up. They say they have a reservation. You can't find it. All of these things are happening. So as a team, let's dissect this scenario and let's come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's one important way. And I would encourage people who just open to do that is to create half a dozen scenarios about the worst case, the best case, an average day and get everybody involved in problem solving. Mm. You know, then it becomes a little bit more dynamic. The, the other, the other thing that I, I think is important is reinforcing positive behavior. Mm. So on a daily basis, when you see somebody doing something right, it doesn't always have to be formal feedback, but it can be great job. I saw you at that table. Wow. Amazing. And also uh, applauding that amongst peers, right? And we, we know now, you know, in this day and age that peer to peer uh, collaboration and, and, you know, congratulations is, is critical. So I, I don't think we do en enough of focusing on the positive uh, either in this, this business. There's so many great things that happen on a daily basis, uh, that we can't forget those. So I think those are two, you know, reinforcing the positive behaviors uh, was one. And then the scenario based learning tools, I think is a, a powerful one as well. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, we, this conversation came up yesterday in a conversation I was having um, with one of my previous guests about sometimes you, you just gotta be willing to, to feel silly and I feel like it's those those moments where like you see somebody doing something awesome, um, and you might feel silly like you know walking up to them and be like that was awesome or like you know way to do this or like you know you just made me so proud or like or you know but it's when you're in those silly moments or when you kind of when you feel like it might be silly to to mention it that's when it's likely going to be a, a meaningful experience for the other person right because if if you're feeling silly that means that you're doing something that's unexpected or beyond expectation, right? Or yeah. unusual. So embrace that silly feeling and go with it is a kind of how, you know, one thing I would say. 
Yeah, and I would agree with you, and I, I think I would, you know, echo that by saying that that comes down to really great communication as well, right? Like, don't be a, don't be afraid to tell somebody how you feel about their work, right? And and don't be afraid to be honest with them. And and if they have done something that has made you proud, why why be so closed and and feel silly about being proud yeah. or you know. I, that is that is what creates emotional service, right? Think about it. Is, a, sorry, go ahead. No, go go. I was gonna say think think about a dog, right? You know, we all love dogs. Why do we love dogs? Because when they're not afraid to show their affection, right? They're mm-hmm. not afraid to show us how happy they are to see us, and that's just walking in a room. They're you know they're ecstatic. Like oh, you're here, you're home. Yes, like take that mentality and just like. Always be willing to show people your affection or your appreciation for them, uh, even if it feels silly, because that's what's going to make them, you know, love you. Uh, uh, that- actually, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it, did I derail one of your thoughts? No, no, no. I was just, I, I, you know, again, I was thinking about this, and 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 again, sometimes when I when I speak, even I think people are like kind of rolling their eyes and their back of their head, going, "Okay, there he goes again on this philosophical tangent." <laughs> But, you know, I can't tell you how many times that, that I have been in a restaurant and the first thing that a manager does is ask a staff to do something. And it's like, why don't you stop for a second? Oh, my gosh. And, 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 and say, how are you doing today? Shake their hand and then say, hey, just to let you know, we've got some side work to do or whatnot. And those small things, and I, you know, and I, I think – Again, going back to that culture piece, and I think what you're talking about when it comes to being silly and communication and giving people a pat on the back, that's culture. Mm. That is creating an amazing culture. Right? Absolutely. And it's, it's funny, um, you were talking about this manager or how managers are always, I don't know, just uh, always like just barking orders and just being so unhelpful. I was getting... Uh, popcorn. I was with my buddy. We were watching. We went to the movies, and this poor girl is alone. It's not very busy. There's probably three of us in line, and she's like hustling, running around, getting the popcorn, getting the drinks, taking you know, you know, uh, getting the tickets, and uh, you know, working the POS system. And her manager, this freaking guy, I just wanted to be like, dude, what the? She, he's just standing there, standing there, just staring at her, waiting for her to finish all these things she's doing. Um, so he can tell her what she needs to do next. Yeah, that's why people leave our business. Oh right? my God. That's it was, I wanted industry. so badly to be like, dude, yeah. like, why aren't you helping her? Like, w- like you, Oh, like the job could have been done by now. If you like pitched in and like, instead of just waiting for her to get to the next thing. So you could delegate one more responsibility and you're just standing there. Like, Oh my right. God. I was, when, yeah. When you unpeel the layers of the onions to that though, you look at it and say, okay, wow, then did anybody teach this person how to be a manager? Yeah. And what things does this company have in place to teach, how to, to teach managers how to be great managers and how to be great leaders? Mm. And then it becomes this spiral of like, oh my gosh, there's so much stuff we are not doing. <laughs> doing <laughs> yeah. I know, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, man, one of the things uh, I, that I loved uh, during our first conversation, during our pre-interview chat, uh, right. was your, your emphasis on how integral uh, the hospitality industry is to uh, communities and yeah. uh, the impact it makes on communities. So do you want to speak to that before we move on uh, sure. to the speed round? Yeah. I, you know, I can't think of another industry 
that is around from the day that you are born until the day that you die. Mm -hmm. So whether it be a great bottle of champagne uh, on a birthday or, you know, those tea sandwiches at the funeral home, there is always food and beverage around and food and beverage connects people. Mm. And when you connect people, you create relationships and you create emotion. Yeah. So I, you know, I can, maybe I'm biased because I'm in this business, but when you get a group of restaurants or a restaurant company that can emulate that in one restaurant, two restaurants, three restaurants, however, like it brings a neighborhood alive. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of what I meant about that when we were talking the other day. No, it's so true. And the other thing I think we forget is, um, how many young lives we have the, um, the privilege to influence in this industry. Uh, and I don't think we see it as a privilege. And I mean, that's the future. Those people are our future. And we always complain about them not, you know, having the, the, the skills or the work ethic, but we're not willing to, to teach them. We expect these things to be ingrained in them and they're not. They're um, not. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we can literally, you know, influence our communities, our, our future by having the, uh, by choosing to do something with our influence on these young people. Uh, there, people are at, at that young age are so impressionable. Uh, we, we, there's so much power we have in molding the future. And I, I think that's just another way that, that that contributes or that works into the whole idea of uh, our responsibility to our communities. I, I agree. And we have to stop being, and I'm generalizing here, but we have to be so stoic about we, what we've done in the past and think that it still works, mm. right? Like, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, sure, like people slaved in kitchens that were not properly ventilated or they didn't get breaks, uh, proper breaks, and, and that's not okay anymore, right? That is not okay anymore. And, you know, I was saying to somebody the other day, I don't know how it came up, and they, they work, they're working in a restaurant that they require all the staff to work split shifts, right? So you work a lunch shift, you get an hour off, you got to find something to do, and you work a dinner shift, which is, is fine. But my, my point was, nowadays, though, what, what happens if you created a, a restaurant where people knew when they had a, a, where they had a beginning time and an end time? Like, right. And I think we need to grow up a little bit as an industry and start looking at the business model and say, does this make sense for the, our generation and the next generation? Is this sustainable? Right. Um, you know, I, I maybe I shouldn't say this, but, you know, I love what the Food Network has, has done for the industry. But I also uh, I'm, I'm not saddened, but frustrated because it's like. Long gone are the days where people throw pots and pans and scream at people. <laughs> that should not be emulated anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And, and also, you can't create a beautiful three-course meal in 30 minutes either. Nope. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, you're absolutely right. We have to do a, a better job of getting to uh, the schools and people in education and, you know, being part of their curriculum and their development if we're going to have great leadership in this business. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm loving this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. (laughs) Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the Tipsy banner in the show notes. All right, we are back. And the first question I have for you is, what is an it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Grit. What, grit? Grit. Ooh, dive into that. Grit. Having uh, the uh, attention and the focus to uh, work on issues, solve problems, find a solution, um, that's, that's grit. Beautiful. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Um, uh, my biggest weakness is I'm incredibly introverted, uh, and I uh, don't do a good job of of selling myself and getting myself out there. So, and networking that's my biggest weakness. How are you combating that? Um, I continually put myself in in networking situations and in social situations that I become more comfortable being uh, myself and articulating my thoughts. Um, I think sometimes when you're passionate about uh, a certain topic and you're not, you're maybe a little bit more introverted than extroverted. um, Sometimes you can come across uh, in a certain way. So that's definitely something that I I struggle with and and continue to work on. It's been my weakness for forever. So how is being an introvert or how has that served you in this industry? Um, well, uh, I think lucky for me, uh, I'm also incredibly humble. Mm-hmm. So humility is such a, a key piece to this industry as well, right? But it's taken me a long time uh, to get to the point where, you know, I can walk into a restaurant and and really connect with people in five minutes or 10 minutes or uh, go to a table of 10 that I don't know or hire a whole new staff for restaurants and get them excited I still get nervous. I still get nervous. I just hired 50, helped hire 50 people for this new restaurant. And I'm thinking about the first day when they're up there. And it's like, man, I get, I'm getting nervous. Like, <laughs> I, but I think that's important. You know? Now, I think introvert, or being an introvert uh, can be good when it comes to leading because so often um, just that uh, uh, quality, quality of just listening and uh, just being present and really uh, trying to get to know that person and finding out where they're strong. I mean, introverts really do, I believe, have a place in this industry. Um, it's not all about just being uh, the most friendly, the most out there. It really takes listening and caring. And I think you're a beautiful example of that. So Thank you. no problem. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? 
Yeah, I think I touched on this before. Um, being a leader has nothing to do with you. It has to do with everybody else. So um, being able to be empathetic and put yourself into somebody else's shoes without, without followers, there is no leader. So they're the most important piece. What is a current challenge you see in this industry right now? And what is your advice to deal with that challenge? Um, I think I've touched on it a couple of times. I think the labor pool, mm. um, really looking at how we have uh, built the business model, certainly in North America, does, does gratuities and tipping still make sense? Do the hours that people have to work make sense? Um, we have a, a long road ahead to um, be competitive with under with other industries because that's where people are going. So I think labor labor piece for me is a is a big one. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you were still working with Oliver in uh, Bonaccini, mm-hmm. uh, what was your uh, you know what were you doing well in those restaurants that you know other than food you you just did better than other restaurants that really separated you. Yeah, I, I think it, it was the um, the emotional service piece. It was being able to create, you know, I, I in, indirectly had about 900 employees uh, under our umbrella or my umbrella. And to be able to know them by name and to be able to provide a platform or a culture for them to provide exceptional service or to make a great dish. Uh, that's, that was our competitive advantage. I think is, is the service piece. Uh, chefs are going to hate me for this, but you know, I, I often ask in an interview, what is the, 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 out of, out of food service price and atmosphere rate those four factors into most important and least important. And I ask that question all the time. And, uh, people struggle when they, it comes to service and food, but, you know, I think really attentive, genuine, caring service can make just good food taste amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I had that same argument at the Chef uh, Collaborative a few years back, and it was a tough one to win. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on, uh, see here. What is uh, one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a better restaurant professional? Oh, uh, gosh, there's lots out there, but I, I think um, Four Seasons, The Story of Business Philosophy by Isidore Sharp, I think is a, is a must read. Um, another good book out there that I uh, read recently, uh, Never Eat Alone. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, about, um, you know, a lifelong uh, journey of, of building contacts, friends, and mentors and colleagues. Keith Ferrazzi is the uh, the author. So those are two that I've I heard think. of that one. I've got I, I've got to read that. That's the second time I've heard of that one. And it sounds Sorry. like it's right up my alley. Uh, what is one piece of technology uh, you adopted in your restaurants? I know you're not currently in the A and B restaurant group, but maybe a piece of technology that you see coming up that will improve restaurant communication, uh, efficiency, uh, profitability, just make your restaurant better. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the two that come to mind. I think, um, you know, any sort of, uh, 
reservation, online reservation system, I think is nowadays uh, critical. Um, I don't, you know, there's lots of things that I don't love about them, but I think managing and maximizing reservations is, is a very, very important piece. Which platform is coming to mind? The one that comes to mind is a, a Bookenda. Uh, have you heard of that one? I haven't. Book. Yeah. Book. Bookenda. Bookenda. Yeah. I don't know if it's. Uh, you know, I don't know w- what its reach is, um, but um, I, I gravitate towards the smaller platforms that um, really take into consideration the costs of running those platforms for smaller restaurants. Um, I think sometimes the cost of these technology systems, whether it be reservation systems or whether it be the timing of food in the kitchen, I just sometimes I think they're so costly for small restaurateurs. It's it's. What would you say a fair cost is? Um, that's a good question for a reservation system. Yeah, I think pennies. Pennies per transaction or pennies yes. per month? Pennies per per transaction or a flat fee per month. What's a fair flat fee? Uh, what's a fair flat fee? Gosh, uh, I think that I don't know. Uh, I think it's I think it's I, I think it's minor to be honest. I think it's what's minor? <laughs> uh, gosh, less than a couple hundred bucks. There is one service. I um, this is your opportunity to share resources, but there's one service that's really impressed me. It's called Reserve. Uh, they're out of uh, the East Coast in the states, um, yeah. and uh, I think it's a flat fee of like ninety six dollars. It's it's right around a hundred dollars a month, uh, flat fee, and uh, it's super flexible. It's a it's a service I think is definitely worth looking into. Yeah, that's great. And I, again, you know, I, I think those tidbits, just that tidbit, right? If you shared that tidbit with a small restaurateur who wasn't paying, you know, you know, three or four dollars for every reservation or every guest, it makes a big difference to their business. Mm, absolutely. What other technologies do you think are uh, worth investing in if we could only say invest in like two or three technologies? Uh, gosh, technology. I can't say POS system because that's a given. No, that's a given. Um, another, as far as the restaurant goes, eh? Um, I, I don't know. I, and I, I don't know if I'm struggling with that question because um, I don't believe that ordering on iPads is the way to go. Um, I don't believe that the food should be timed according to uh, a computer. Um, so I... Gosh, I know I can't get back to you on that one, but I, uh, it's okay. you know, I, uh, I struggle with making sure that we're not, huh, how do I put this, that we are not relying too much on technology, that we're using it as a, in addition to, right? Yeah, uh, and I think that's the key right there is when you're considering technology, ask yourself, will this improve the customer experience, improve the impact, improve the, you know, uh, the hospitality, the the warmth, the generosity, yeah. or is this going to in, inhibit or take away from that? It's a lot of the questions uh, we asked ourselves when we built Pineapple, right? Um, this platform to connect hospitality professionals. We we spent months and months really making sure that the purpose and the intent of the platform was designed in a way that made it uh, that people knew what the purpose was. So I totally agree with you. I think. We can't just take technology for granted to help us, right? It has to be a thoughtful process. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time, say to 2000, uh, when you're you know really f- starting to like cut your teeth into the hospitality industry, what mm-hmm. is one piece of business advice you'd give yourself? One piece of business advice I would give myself, gosh, I have made so many mistakes. <laughs> it would be a book. Um, <laughs> um, I think I would go back to um, something that I said at the very beginning is do not try to build a perfect business um, because striving for perfection, you'll end up failing. Um, it's very different than striving for excellence. And, and I have made so many mistakes, even with people that I've um, looked at and, and, and quote unquote expected more from. Uh, and I was like, wow, like if I could, if I could only just appreciate the journey, right. And moving forward as opposed to this perfect 10 out of 10, I, I man, I, I would be, I don't know if I'd be better off, but I certainly, um, would, would like to keep that in the back of my mind a lot earlier in my career than I do now. So I'm curious, uh, how, how would you define excellence? How would I define excellence? Um, I think I would define it exactly how, uh, how you said it. And if you, if you throughout your career can look at people that you've mentored and coached, and say that you are a better version of yourself today than you were yesterday, that is excellence. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a restaurateur and you have a really great service and people are leaving your restaurant as ambassadors, I think that you have achieved excellence. Um, and excellence is um, not a static period. It's not a moment in time, right? Excellence <laughs> excellence happens every day or a year from now or 10 years from now. And I don't think once you've achieved excellence, you're there. That's, that's not how the restaurant business goes. Every day is different. Every person that you interact with is different. Every staff member that you hire has a different interpretation of what service looks like. So, you know, that constant chipping away and and striving for that 8.6, 8.7, you know, if you, if you buy a house and it's a two out of 10, well, you know what? Uh, put some drapes up and paint the walls and all of a sudden you're a seven out of 10. Mm. But if you're an eight out of 10 and you want to be an 8.5 out of 10, that is way more work, right? Mm-hmm. That's the attention to the details and the small things. So that's, that's, that's what I mean. I mean, I, I love that. I love that challenge and I, I actually love living that way. Um, Beautiful. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, if there was one question I could have asked you that would have provided more value to this interview, what would it have been? One question that would have provided uh, more value. Um, that's a good question. I, I think that um, it's, I think it's important that we ask questions about the industry as a whole, right? And I think when you open restaurants, you can get so fixated on those four walls and making it success that it's important to also have conversations about the industry and, and what is happening with food and nutrition and labor and rent. Uh, and so again, I, I think that it's so hard for restaurateurs to think like that. Uh, and, but providing them with some, uh, help 
saying, hey, look, at there's other stuff in the industry that is going to impact your success. I think that's important too. Awesome. Um, all right. This has been amazing. Uh, seriously, I've had such a great time talking with you, Jarrett. Uh, who is one person you admire in this industry and think would be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today? Oh, well, I appreciate that, Eric. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Uh, I, uh, one, gosh, I have a, a lot of, a lot of mentors. I think Two, two mentors that, that come to mind are, are obviously the two owners of, of Oliver and Bonaccini, uh, Peter Oliver and Michael Bonaccini. Um, I also think one mentor of mine who was my very first influence uh, as well would be a professor. He's, he's now a professor, University of Guelph, Bruce McAdams. Um, another person that I think is 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 in my life and a great restaurateur is a gentleman by the name of Darcy McDonnell. Uh, he has a restaurant here in Toronto called farmhouse tavern, and he has built a, a really cool, uh, restaurant that, you know, has really carved, carved a really amazing niche for itself in this huge city of Toronto. And I, I, I love that. And, and he's, he's did, he did it in a neighborhood that, it was before you know before anybody else did which i think is great as well beautiful peter michael bruce darcy look out gentlemen i am coming after you i would love to get you all on the show and let the folks at home know how can we connect with you if we want to maybe use your services or maybe um find out more about pineapple which i'm trying to find online right now what's the website to pineapple that sounds like something i really would love to dive my teeth yeah yeah pineapple is is brand new so it's uh www.pineapplehospitality.ca um, it's only one web page. It's an all an app based platform on iOS right now. People can connect with me if they like through info at blueprinthospitality.ca. Uh, and again, our the website is www.blueprinthospitality all one word dot ca, not dot dot com. Unfortunately, dot, there's, dot, there's music if you go to the pineapple. Uh, there is a video. Sorry if you could hear that playing in the background. Uh, <laughs> Good way to end the show, though. Like, so, you know, signing out music. So. Yeah. Uh, sorry, did I cut you off in the middle of leaving important information? No, no, no. I was just saying uh, that the website, www.blueprinthospitality.ca uh, or info at blueprinthospitality.ca as well. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. We have uh, Blueprint on LinkedIn and Pineapples on LinkedIn as well. So, All right. This is episode 281, I believe. Let me confirm that. I've done a lot of interviews today. 281. So, <laughs> so head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 281. One, to find uh, the links to what we talked about today, to find uh, out how to connect with Jarrett. Jarrett, thank you so much for taking the time, man. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Man, that was an awesome episode. Another great episode uh, packed with just amazing lessons and just ways to think and uh i mean that to me lately has just been kind of an overarching uh theme to to restaurant unstoppable uh as i learn more as i evolve i mean it's about how we think 
you know, it's that simple uh, and, and that hard, really. But, you know, at, when I started this podcast, like, I didn't know what I was going to learn. All I knew was I wanted to learn. And I, you know, I came across this aha moment very early on uh, on the value and importance of systems, processes, procedures, protocols, all those things. All those things that kind of make our butt pucker a little bit because they ju- they just don't sound fun and they... They're, they're a lot of work, but they, they make our lives easier. They, give, they provide our lives structure. Um, and, I mean, those things are important. Uh, but what I've learned from some of the really incredibly uh, super successful uh, recent guests I've had on the show is that you can't stop there. Uh, it doesn't start with providing the structure. It really starts uh, – that, that greatness really starts with uh, – bringing out the greatness in others and inspiring others and uh, teaching people how to think. And it's, you know, our relationships, I feel like over time have gotten really shallow and transactional uh, as corporations started coming on scene, as uh, restaurants or businesses in general were focusing on being massive and making as much money as possible. um, Really what matters at the end of the day is the impact you have on the lives of your employees and your guests and just doing meaningful things and really uh, getting involved in whatever it is you're doing for the right reasons. And and then once you figure out those right reasons, teaching other people how to think, giving them those core values and just making the world a better place. And this sounds so cheesy and so woo-woo, but it's so true. And that's what makes us, these emotions, are this, this emotional intelligence is what makes humans so beautiful is to really just connect with each other and to, to work as one and I, I don't, oh man I could be just rambling at this point but tons of great stuff today and I just want to share one last quote that came out of this episode and that is you know food and beverage connects people and when you connect people you create relations and when you create relations you create emotion and there's not enough of that in my opinion uh, today uh, I feel like we got way too far away from it I feel like I mean, as important as systems, processes, procedures are, you don't want cold businesses. You need that emotion. You need that passion. You need that desire. You need that mentorship. You need the authenticity, the, the missions, these values. All that stuff is so important. And we need to, you know, are you doing these things? Do you have deep purposes in your business? Ask yourself. And are you making an impact in the people around you? Uh, if you can be better why not be better so beautiful stuff today guys like always do connect with me uh head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 101 if you want to have a 15 minute 101 chat with me i don't know if i have your answers but i know where to look i know who to connect with and i'll help you get the ball going in the right direction or just be a shoulder to lean on or an ear to you know to listen i'd love to do that for you plus i love those conversations they help me out too um Facebook.com slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Email me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com. Let me know who you want to hear from. And, uh, yeah, keep on supporting the show with those uh, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And the best way you can support the show is to share it with somebody. Who do you know in this industry uh, who's coming up or who just needs a little pick-me-up? And, uh, you know, this this podcast, it's inspiring. It, it, it inspires me. It motivates me. Uh, and I, I love being able to uh, share these lessons and these experiences I'm, I'm you know, having day in and day out with all of you. So uh, thanks so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.